you're listening to A Little Bit of Lagen, a podcast exploring how to find a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living, to support your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and in this episode I had the absolute pleasure of talking with Joyce Mendez. It's hard to know where to start when summarising all of the incredible work that Joyce is doing within the sustainability sector, from working as a social entrepreneur on the Water Energy Food Nexus to co-founding several organisations across Latin America, centering youth engagement and transboundary cooperation. Joyce was one of only 30 young people to be selected to be a part of the Abu Dhabi Climate Action Meeting, supporting the organisation of the first ever United Nations Youth Climate Summit in 2019. As well as this, Joyce is also a TEDx lecturer has been invited to join the group of leaders Women Rise for All and is involved in a lot of youth networks. And just to name some of these, they include World Youth Parliament for Water, Youth Group CJBP3, Paraguayan Youth Network for Water, and she's currently working as fundraiser chair for the Youth Climate Ambassadors of CUNCR. As well as all of these incredible things, she's also a Masters of Science candidate in Sustainability and Adaptation Planning at the Centre of Alternative Technology in Wales, which felt super special because Wales is where I'm originally from. I feel so privileged to have had the opportunity to speak with Joyce, hear her pathway into this incredible work, and I really find her so inspiring. In this conversation, she shares so openly and honestly about personal sacrifices when engaging in this work, offering her experiences in and advice regarding finding sustainability in your own life to support your health when engaging in such crucial work. She expresses how worrying it is that many of us under this capitalist society have become so disconnected from nature, and she highlights the importance of a paradigm shift away from financial growth and towards prioritising quality and genuine human connections. I can't thank Joyce enough for this conversation and I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having it. She shares so much valuable information and it's an incredibly thought-provoking conversation so I really hope that you find a lot in this to take away. A brief summary which may be difficult because you're doing so many incredible things but yeah just a brief summary of yourself and the work that you're doing at the moment would be wonderful. Yes I'm Joyce Mendez, I'm from Latin America, that's I think I'm a multicultural person, we all are, um, I have indigenous, Afro-indigenous roots, I was born in Colombia and I grew up in the border of Brazil, Paraguay and Argentina, this is called the Iguazu or the triple border area, an area that has a lot of water everywhere, like underneath the aquifers, the Iguazu Falls, the rivers, and as well the transnational forest, well, the falls as well. I started when I was in high school and first years of university. I was studying what makes a planet habitable. So basically, I was very into astronomy. I got to do some research on astronomy, and um, it's called astrobiology, the search of life in the universe. Or, and I was mainly focusing in exoplanets, which are planets outside the solar system. So the idea was kind of to understand all this physical, geophysical, 
cosmic characteristics that makes an exoplanet habitable. And I realized that, well, we don't have another candidate as the Earth. And I realized like the, the water as well as a main element of sustainability because you see, you need sun or energy, you need abundant material like carbon, but you need uh, an universal dissolvent, which is water. I was a little bit confused at that moment because um, I also got to meet the astronaut, uh, the first Brazilian and the only Brazilian astronaut. He's Marcos Fontes. So he came to, a, to give a lecture and then he asked me, what is your life project? He asked, what is the impact you're leaving through astronomy to people? And I was like, Wow, I, that question, it was playing on my mind during days and days. And then I said, maybe there is something I'm not understanding. Maybe instead of just being in the observatory, my nights and, and looking at the cosmos, which is very important. You know, I got this cosmo view to understand the position of the Earth in the universe. And not just of the Earth, but of humans. Basically, you know, we see a lot of about space exploration, a lot about going to Mars and so, but the oxygen, the nature, the water we have here is just unique. So I decided my life project might change. That was very difficult to change from root, even from university studies, from people, from friends, hobbies, everything. And during that year that I decided decide to change my life into sustainability, we have the 2030 agenda, like the SDGs were announced. So I said, hmm, maybe, you know, maybe it's a good pathway for the next 15 years. Because I always did this decade plan, as, as NASA do, right? You have a decade plan of go your goals, your, your resources, you know, everything. And I started designing mine and I realized, well, you know, I, I obviously the SDGs agenda didn't fully like um, include many things that, like the colonial studies or even indigenous rights and so on. However, I think it was kind of a beginning because I didn't know where to start. I'm extending myself too much. <laughs> I'm just interested. So real quick, I applied to this, um, the Climate Reality Project and Al Gore went to uh, Rio de Janeiro. So I met him there. You know, I was in the opportunity to be one of the youngest persons speaking. And then I realized, yeah, this is completely an emergency. And I remember one of his movies, um, Inconvenient Truth. And I still, you know, I was in, in high school and I realized, yeah, I, I, I was already vegetarian, vegan, and, but I said, we have to do more. So then I started creating a lot community organizations from the last five to six years, especially with youth, transboundary cooperation, tackling this water, energy, and food nexus. And I'm still on the way, you know, I decided to study sustainability in, into a different country as, as, as here to have new perspectives, because I don't think the global north or south we need to compete, we need to cooperate, but maybe I needed to understand the views here, you know, whenever is the time to start the climate negotiations, which I am, which I quite participate a lot, understand the different perspectives from the countries. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And since you mentioned it then, the food, water, energy nexus, 
it would be great if you could explain a little bit about what that is in case the listeners don't know and why it's so important to have the cooperation across borders. Yeah, yeah. Basically, most of the human activities are intertwined into the water production or management, energy production is management, and as well as the food production is management. So in certain areas, from like the area that I grew up, uh, we need water to generate electricity and as well is involved in all the uh, food process as well food we also see uh, it requires energy or can generate energy as well but it requires water and so water treatment you know can needs energy and also uh, at a certain point it is involved with a lot of the food production as i mentioned so we see that in the next years for latin america i know that uh, we're going to have an increase in 30 percent of all of this nexus of the consumption of this nexus so we see that we already have problems with the food water and energy security which is the constant and abundant um, access to this resource so i see in the future okay how we're gonna do it however i see that especially many food production areas and hydro energy areas and certain areas are transboundary so I see these opportunity countries cooperating instead of fighting or even having conflicts over a resource, either it's an energy or water and or food resource. And um, globally, I think we're going to have uh, an increase. We know we're going to have 9 billion people on the planet by 2050. So this nexus is actually climate change is making uh, a stress and, and is pushing this system and this nexus. So that's how I think that not just innovation, but maybe also recovering technology from the past techniques uh, to apply to, to the present needs. Yeah. So did that concept inspire some of the projects that you created in different parts of Latin America? Yeah. So basically 2015, I realized we had like a social and environmental project from the construction of one of the hydroelectrical plants in the region. They knew the impact they had. So they were investing in, in into youth, into health, into nutrition. And so, so I said, okay, I don't see a point where the youth is very dispersed. I don't even know if the youth from the region, if we know our challenges, if, if we know the agenda we want to build. And so I just, I talked to them. I decided to talk to this, uh, to these people from the social environmental responsibility of this company, which is an estate and private company as well. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's time to invest in the youth. We really need formations. We need capacity building in sustainability uh, and youth participation as well. Since then, we work with uh, youth from the 25 cities of that the hydroelectrical plant impacted, uh, right? with the construction. So we started having formations about climate change, about youth rights, about youth opportunities, and so, and also entering into contact with the local administration. So in 2016 and 17, we were uh, writing letters about the, not just the demands, but as well how youth, we can help, you know, and we were going to introduce ourselves to the local administrations and introduce our movement and so, so we also did a lot of cooperation, right, to, with, with, with organizations in Paraguay. But I saw there was a big gap. If we wanted to create public policies, 
or like more permanent change than not just activism or art activism. We needed data and we needed resource. In the region, we have a huge uh, university from Latin American countries, which is called UNILA, the Latin American University for Latin American Integration, federal university, yeah. And I decided why I talked to some professors to create the environmental observatory of the triple border in order to, to have enough data about waste management as well, because we see like the waste from one country goes to the river, in the, into the river and ends into the other country. And as well as the biodiversity management, because you know, animals, waste, forest, water, they don't have borders, climate change. So we started working uh, as well, like the university students were doing their dissertation with our activities. So we were getting the data and we were getting the support, the transportation, the contacts. In June, we got to know that one of our periods about the Atlantic forest in Brazil was locally approved. So we kind of allowed to have a protected forest reservoir in the region, which is important for biodiversity, for climate change, and as well as for sustainable tourism. And we even developed a project with the University of Leeds about climate change, adaptation, and resilience, how the three cities could cooperate. And uh, through formal and informal cooperation, we can become more resilient towards the climate change effects. However, this was more in the Brazilian side. And in the Paraguayan side, um, also in 2017, I, I co-founded, um, at the end of 2017, with some colleagues there that have been working a lot in the organization Defensores de Chaco or El Chaco Defenders, we created a youth and water network in Paraguay because we saw a lot of momentum in this World Water Forum that took place in 2018 in Brasilia. So it was a perfect justification again to, to join youth. So we organized, uh, we organized the first Youth for Water Forum. We brought all these youth from several cities in Paraguay. And we started, again, creating our agenda, understanding that youth, we do have resource data, and to get to know where, where is the youth that works in water. So today we have developed as well, very interesting approach. We are translating material into Guarani language, which is our local um, language, national language of Paraguay as well, about water protection, about aquifers protection, and um, we also, we every year since then, even during this year, we did online all the, our activities. We are volunteers as well. We are decentralized grassroots organization. And we are also translating materials from English to Spanish and vice versa of water resources as well to make connections. And we have a lot of active members that they have been selected to represent regionally and nationally as well. There is, this is very strong generation in the country saying we need to move, to move forward. But it's not this just development of, you know, like a money access, but more into nature access. And the last organization that I'm going to mention is the Mercosur, the Latin American um, Energy uh, Observatory or Geopolitics of Energy Observatory. Especially in the region, we have a lot of issues with sovereignty of our resources, uh, either water, energy, but uh, fundamental resources, as well as we are seeing now. That, um, we have a lot of governments talking about 
electrifying cars and electrifying their systems, but it comes from lithium, from minerals. And so, so our proposal is to study where do we have these strategic resources, but as well to get to inf influence in the geopolitics of energy locally. So basically we have convened dialogues with several entities because we see that we are having a renewal of agreements, especially in the hydroelectrical sector, and how we can just make it a more just and fair for the peoples as well. And at the same time, we work a lot with capacity building and access to information. So we have like a platform, especially we work with mainly Spanish, Portuguese, we have some articles in English, where people can understand what's going on in the energy area in Latin America, especially in South America. So that can we compile dissertations, topics, and so, and we have done also international research. So this is about the organizations I, I, I created and I co-founded, because I belong to other ones, but just as a member, mm -hmm. our active member. So yeah, they kind of respond to the question of the water energy food nexus. And I used to be um, a social entrepreneur uh, with the initiative Solar Organico as well in the triple border. We used to work with organic agriculture. However, we see that it's still kind of, um, it's hard to compete as well as uh, with the big market, with the, with the other prices, right? because we have a problem of agrochemicals in Brazil, especially during this government, is very responsibly used. And even you can try to eat healthy, but it's, it's chemicals on your food that cause cancer, that is not sustainable at all. So during a year, around a year, we, we work with food, sustainable food, and I had the privilege to get all my food organic. So <laughs> we will be back soon, <laughs> I hope so. So I don't know if I'm extending myself a lot or... If it's no, okay. that's just so wonderful to hear about all of the projects that you've been involved in and started to create, create such a network of people passionate about these things working together and actually making such positive change. And I was intrigued to ask that because from you explaining it, it sounds like so incredible. I was wondering if there were any sort of challenges that were arising during that process of setting them up, because I imagine there must have been a fair few along the way. So I'm going to start by answering about personal challenges. Uh, and then I'm going to go to the community. So personal challenges, yeah, they were because, you know, I always did university it was full time but I was working as well all the time. But I realized, come on, I cannot wait till be a master's, you know, or to get a doctorate, to influence in the community. And things were there. I was talking to the people and, on, on, and I used to live alone by that time, you know, because I, I left um, home quite young and because I wanted to, to see a lot of volunteering opportunities. It was, uh, and then I, and I didn't want to kind of to stay alone. And at the same time, I wanted to understand, you know, as, as I did this transition to sustainability, I realized it has to be with community. You know, you cannot be alone. I, I also don't want to create something based on kind of the current perspective of development, you know, like, because I didn't have the money, right, to, to, to start a kind of a movement. So I said, I want volunteers, grassroots, and also make some companies responsible as well for their for you know their impact and it's not greenwashing because we were not doing kind of activities we were not especially kind of planting trees however we were working with people 
And some people are quite afraid about talking to companies as well because they can be, you know, hegemonic and so, but you also have to understand what you want with your goals. So first of all, it was kind of get to know who are the catalysts in the, in the, in the community. So I was going to participate to groups that were already into the environmental area. I didn't want to create the wheel. I just wanted to understand how I, I could help them and boost their activities. So I realized that the local, we had like a local um, environmental and educative collective. I, I realized there were youth there. They knew some contacts, so I started talking to them. And also in the university, it was not a kind of an institution uh, about like environment. However, I had a professor of ethical, ethics and science, and she was talking about the paradigms of, of consumption and even kind of giving a critique of the SDGs. So I said, well, this person knows, she can indicate me. So I got to, to, to gather these catalyst people and with them, sometimes they were like, okay, this, this person has more into the biodiversity. This one is more into you. This one is more in, with energy. So I cooperate a lot intergenerational, you know, with professors that were really guidance or with as well with companies and with, with colleagues. I remember I was in class and we're like, where have you been, Joyce? You haven't been in class. I was like, sorry, you know, I've been organizing movements and so, so we're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Can I go? And yeah, there were a lot of sacrifices personally. It's a period I, I was not too sustainable with myself. I remember I was studying full-time, working part-time, organizations. I think I was sleeping a few hours, but because I saw the need, I said, this is now. But then I realized, well, I don't have to do it all myself. Once you build the people, bring the people together, things are going to happen. Um, second, also about inter, interpersonal, right? Because I, 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 I could not have kind of like a stable relationships at the time because it was like, you volunteer more than the time you can give me. I know it's too personal, but it's interesting to mention. Mm. And as well as whenever I was already with relationships, I was on my weekends quite busy. So sometimes I go like, hey, you should stay more at home or something. I was like, no, you come on. So I, I, by the time my partner was going with me as well to some of the activities. And it was interesting because I think that if, if they don't understand exactly what you do at your home, and you keep talking about climate change and your family is not engaged and they don't understand what sustainability probably don't understand the value of your fundamental work as well. And it was another challenge about university because it was hard to keep the, with the classes, but I, I didn't stop. I just keep continuing with the classes. Sometimes I was not going because there were activities, there were the whole day, but I was catching up. I was doing the test. Uh, I was quite sometimes stressful. I, I wish I could have enjoyed more that part of my undergrad because um, I study energy engineering, then I went to biotechnology. And obviously the last year and everything was, you know, with, with the pandemic and so, so it brought that as well. I, at least I tried to, to move that with the communities. And yeah, as giving time to people. Things are not gonna work instantly, you know, it's not you're gonna, okay, today we have to finish a plan, it has to be like that. No, you cannot be, you know, like capitalist with people, like, oh, I, I, I joined you here and I want an answer for you. No, you need to give them time. These things that I'm telling you, the things that we have achieved have been minimum four to six years of, 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 of creating, of understanding what do we want and receiving people and also letting people go. Because some people, they, you know, especially whenever you work with youth, youth, 
they have different mindsets and, and change quite fastly. <laughs> so, so it was hard also to say goodbye to some friends because they were going to other opportunities and so in other sectors. So yeah, I think I recall right now because at the moment sometimes I, some people were like, come on, you are a very young adult and you should enjoy more uni, you know, more parties, more, you know, saying socially and stuff. But now I don't regret, you know, now that especially what we have seen and that we will see in the next years, then I, I see that the hard work has is reward, especially in the community area. So yeah, you have to be patient and as well be able to communicate your perspectives with the different stakeholders, especially as I say, the private sector, the universities, and as well public administrations and to talk even to the to the city hall. Uh, many times uh, we went as youth to give lectures and to engage with politicians as well. So that was kind of uh, an intergenerational and transdisciplinary challenge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But that's incredibly inspiring to hear about all of the sacrifices that you were willing to make in your personal life to do something that's so important. And I think the point you made as well of how many years it took to develop you don't kind of reap the rewards of of all of the work you do you just keep keep putting all of that energy into it and I think it's so inspiring that you you have done that and you kept that motivation going because I'm sure there must have been times within it where there almost was the the doubts of the why how, how is this coming together what am I doing so yeah I think with that it can be very overwhelming and as well, what you mentioned between personal things in the sense of maybe you weren't as sustainable in your personal individual yeah. life. You know, Marla, I want to say something here because it, I, I have seen this, um, not just in me, but in several people that work in sustainability and environment. It's very interesting because like you want to protect the world, you want to protect your community, and especially as, as women, we have this question of the care right as well as, as understanding as providers and so but i also realize how neglected we're not just our health but as well personal relationships or interpersonal relationships so i also saw cases as well as um, boyfriends or girlfriends not supporting or understanding and even in the case if you wanted to be vegetarian or even if you for example didn't want to take a flight and want to go to to by boss uh, to and the net, you know, to the net state. There's like a lot of critics as, as well. So, so as well, I I think that there was a point that I was all of these organizations I was doing a resource project, I was working, I was studying. Look, I got so sick at the point to that I had to stop my life for one month. And I understand, okay, no matter if I cannot build a sustainable world being workaholic or being based on this extractivist and very, you know, like um, capitalist paradigm with myself, my body that, you know, if I wanna sleep, if I wanna have time, even you need to reflect on the activities you're doing. You need to take the time to write, to see if it really makes sense, all your organizations and your projects. So having an excuse that I don't have 10 minutes per day to do meditation or Tai Chi or, or 20 minutes to go for a walk. Come on. I mean, 
you do have the time like we see our phones we talk a lot online we even have time to post in social networks so we do have time for our health and then i i kind of started changing things because i realized our body is a living system and our body will will give us the bill sooner or later you will give us the bill if you have been neglecting it and i remember i had to stop my life and it was even more painful to stop for one month not being able to go to uni or do nothing and then things were resignificating you know like in my brain time having the time to catalyze to you know understand and i remember the doctor told me like you seem to have high pressure but you are under 30 it's like i don't understand i'm like no so yeah i did change my life since then you know i'm not right now i'm not that buddha person but i i put tai chi into my daily activities or meditation i'm doing a yoga challenge i like those challenges 21 days of this and that i love these things and exercising i know it's cold or it's too hot but come on i mean your mind and we need to be sustainable for the things that are coming <laughs> so i just wanted to mention that because uh it's, it's not easily spoken you know in, in our area yeah yeah it's so true and i really love the point you made in the comparison with between kind of sustainability in the world and in ourselves and it's so true yeah. if we're trying to build a more sustainable world and recognizing that sitting in any extremes are damaging surely in ourselves as well sitting in these extremes is going to be damaging and we're going to pay the bill for it later like you said yeah something else i would love to chat a bit about is the balance between community and individual action and how they sit with each other because this is something that i'm really yeah. struggling with <laughs> at the moment and trying to learn how they can support and sit with each other rather than them being an either or so i'd love to hear your perspective because yeah. we have a, a, a system we have a model that tells you this concept as well of successful you know like time is money or main is it time money or is it connect you know is it like you, is, i don't really think it's like that like really monetizing even your hobbies you know like really kind of understanding that you are represented as well by a number that you have in your account or in your savings and things like that this is absolutely whenever we understand that you know, like this, this paradigm of successful, you know, sometimes I've been talking to people and the first thing that tell me, oh, look at my phone. And I was like, nice, new one, but you need a new one. So whenever you kind of liberate it and make yourself free from several like social constraints, it's like you are putting a lot of, you know, like, you know, clothing and stuff in yourself then you feel free to understand what are your priorities. This is when I want to recall about life projects. So you need to understand where you are first, like where is the territory? Even if you were not born there, like myself, you know, I was there. What are the needs? What are the things you, you keep mapping just with the local people? Which one is kind of the, the target public? Is it youth? Is it elders? Is it intergenerational? Is it children like you also have to start seeing like either your skills that you have to work with certain communities or if it's sometimes it's, it's multiple but sometimes you have a specific target to understand the needs to understand what kind of values you have like if you are good at communicating and writing and making podcasts you know what i'm saying like uh, 
are doing research, are connecting people as well. I'm not just talking about hard skills like languages, degrees, but soft skills as networking, time management, leadership. So try to make, you know, in a paper. So you keep mapping, you say, okay, I, I kind of understand the local needs as well, the, the target public, the things that, I, that I'm good at and the things that I want to improve. Because here's a catch. I see that it's not about just because whenever you mention volunteering or grassroots, people think that it has to be a sacrifice to be there. However, if you are in a movement or if you want to create a movement, Maybe that movement is going to allow you to develop a skill you, you don't have or you wish to have or to get some knowledge you're not going to have in uni or you're not going to have in a specific job. So these kind of organizations and our community work has to be side and side. What am I going to learn there? What, I'm, what You know, if it's information, skills, or even traveling, what I can give. So I believe a lot in this retribution, you know, and this allows to develop this gratefulness, a very grateful mindset. Instead of you be asking and looking for certain things, you value what you already have. And, 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 and really feeling rich in the way of if you have human connections, if you have health, if you have youth. And this, this is kind of this transition, paradigmatic transition, right? From, from really what means volunteering, which is like a, a weekend activities, or sometimes because many people were asking me, you, you, you work so much for some things, but you're not getting any money from that. We know sustainability jobs are not the best paid till today. We know that. But if we have to be creative, right? We, there is a point that you have to conciliate, okay, I really have to pay my bills. I really, you know, I have to live. I'm, a, I'm an individual. I have certain needs, but I also have other spiritual, consensual needs. So whenever you intertwine them, you don't see that division. You see that even sometimes with the people you're working with, you can, you can talk about a certain initiative or vice versa. Even you can create social businesses, as it was my case, you know. Uh, I got the opportunity to be an entrepreneur and to make change while I was having all my food organic. And then it was a win-win relationship. And I think that right now, as individuals, we have to position ourselves and really asking, maybe for our generation, and I don't think it's longer to be successful to have, you know, the latest phone on the car, but to have clean water, to have energy, safe energy access, and even to have safe food. This is not about the amount, but the quality of, of, of our, you know, physical needs. But also we need, we have conscientious needs. And we, we see that humanity is going through a, a consensual paradigmatic transition. We are going to more into the adult phase. I, I see it in that way. I see that uh, we also have to, to understand that not everybody, you know, has our level. There are even people, as I say, consensually more advanced and there are people on the way. So we have to as well to respect people's time. Sometimes whenever we create a movement or, or something, we want a, an answer or we want a prayer already, you know, fast. Maybe it's not about the fastness, but it's about the impact. It's about the quality. It's about how you got there. Sometimes, as I said, we focus on the end, but we forget the, the way to get there. And maybe that way to get there is where you earn and you will learn many things. So those are kind of the things that I have learned, um, you know, during these years. And to making family. At the end of the day, we are all 
humans and we are all from this planet. So I have brothers and sisters from different mothers that have heard not just my ideas, but I have heard their ideas. And, and I have respect, you know, as, as for the different cultures. We all belong to the Earth. And then it's when I connect astronomy, you know, like I see our, uh, the calcium from our teeth, the iron from our blood, it comes from stars and it came a while ago. So we all come from cosmic dust, but this cosmic dust needs to evolve and we need to get climate change tackle in the best human way. Oh, that was just incredible. It really summarizes how everything is so interconnected and recognizing that is so valuable. And something that really resonated with me was you talking about quality as well. And I think that's something that's so wrapped up as well within this kind of capitalist consumerist society. And even when we're working in a way that's more looking towards sustainable solutions you can even find ourselves trapped in that mindset of like i want this happening faster or i want more of this or this is still the idea of success you hold on to and it, it is really educating and yeah fighting back against that system sometimes you know like uh, everything is you know this fastness of i send an email i want an answer this and that you also whenever you start working with people you need to set your own limits and also to yourself. Like, okay, till what time I'm not going to answer emails or I'm going to have my time to respect, you know, myself or just turn off the phone, you know, so have some times offline, you know. You know I have social medias. I, I use it. It's amazing for communication. However, I see and it's very worrying the disconnect we're having from Pachamama, from modern nature. It's like... We can spend days inside. Something's not what we want, you know, during this period. Like, as my mom used to say, you know, she maybe said, ah, oh, you know what? I think Pachamama sent everybody to the room in time out to things so we can understand what's really happening. So setting up your limits, right? Um, not just um, physically, but extra-physically, like consensually, like uh, the number of projects, the number of initiatives you take. As I said, sometimes quantity is not the same of quality. Because sometimes, you know, I also got excited at a certain point, you know, before, like three years, I was in everything, you know, I wanted. And it's interesting because sometimes you have that time of your life, but then you see other priorities and then you grow. Like, you know, I also see some colleagues, what if you want not just to, not just to have a family, but to have a partner. And as I told you, during this year, I was thinking, yeah, I do want to have my sustainable space, you know, to have my, my food growing, you know, and these things like that. Not, not everybody can do so, but we can take things, define our limits in, in several aspects. So this is very important, as I see. And um, and I also, to the people who are listening to, to, to us, I think that you are not alone if you feel that you're not getting, like, enough, like, reward as well or if you don't see the changes fast, or if you, you see, you know, that the speech and the discourse will say, like, we do have 10 years for, you know, to stop many tipping points from exploding, but also understand that your personal life requires time. So, and, and we cannot neglect it because, as I said, I think it, it makes part of, of the life period. You know, I also pass through certain moments of uh, eco-anxiety that's the last thing I want to mention or climate anxiety especially last year yeah since we saw that the Amazon was burning because my mom is living there so she was having 
seeing the impacts and having the information there, even though whenever not international reports were were, were being developed. And you know, I remember I spent nights without sleeping and thinking I need to do something, but I was away. And this year again, our forest, especially from Atlantic forest and some forests in Paraguay, Argentina as well, they, they were burning. And I was feeling kind of, you know, whenever you have gastritis that is burning inside of you, I was not sleeping, insomnia. I was sometimes crying and during this time. So I, I, I don't want it to have this optimism all the time, but to embrace my feelings and my thoughts and to understand what's the root behind it. Is it loneliness? Is it security? Is it money issues? Is it, you know, um, friends? Is it environment? What is it? It's, it's not something you can try to, to delete completely, but to mitigate and you to take the control so yeah i was i started doing ar aromatherapy uh tai chi yoga like mixing many things and finding my own self because it's it happens and i and one of the talks to several friends is about uh, even psychologists to talk to them and they don't even know exactly what it's equal anxiety or climate anxiety so it's something that our generation we will have to deal with that and maybe we have to rewrite science and research about this yeah yeah and i think something that really strikes me there and what you're talking about is something about self-awareness as well and connecting what it is that you need in those times and recognizing those feelings and yeah. it seems like you have a very strong self-awareness and you've been figuring out these things which is is so important to keep to keep the motivation going and the self-preservation as well i think yeah yeah, I am. Well, like there are some kind of kind of books or perspectives that go into this. One of them I, I was studying um, some time ago as well. I, I like to study kind of about the life project, about, you know, life management, but not most of the people that write about it is kind of gurus or people that are very into kind of this capitalist, fast, successful, how to get money fast and think, no. <laughs> okay, we, we are in a different, you know, way but um consentology which is not a different not a scientology no 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 it's consentology is the studies of conscientiousness so they have a, a very interesting book online for free in english that is called our evolution i found it very interesting and another one that is about life period or how it's called proexis so it gives you some guides and it has some techniques one technique that i did was very interesting it's called one life uh, it's kind of in Portuguese, let me translate it in English because most of the things are in Portuguese. It would be like one life technique, the one life technique, one year life technique, I'm sorry. So it's imagine that you have one year left of your life. Like if you want to catalyze action, for example, if you haven't write, like if you haven't wrote a book or if you want to finish your uni or if you want to create your communities organization or if you want to create your, your sustainable business, you select the topic you want to focus or even if it's about help, even if you see, oh, imagine the, 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 the point is this. Imagine you have one year of your life, like left, you know, in one year, in one goal. For example, I want to improve my eco-anxiety. And you develop a daily agenda, obviously very logical. It's not to get into streams, to get there. And you have goals and, and it's this, this kind of, uh, they have some techniques like this. And I did it. I remember I did it 
into these youth movements and so on. One year, it was like the same as 10 years in life. It was incredible. So I invite you just to take a look of some of the materials they have. Mostly it's for free. And obviously, uh, to listen to people as well, to listen. You know, humans, we have been in this planet for quite 15,000 years. So we, this is not the first time we are seeing you know that we cannot you know like that our systems is in is in is imperial you know we there was a point that hum like the homo sapiens no homo sapiens sapiens were few left and we almost got extinct so i i see that right now our creativity and 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 as someone said climate change is not just a change on the on the weather but the change on the social relationships and human relationships so i think we are into that point and it is us that we are here and we needed to live during this time. Maybe it's related to your life prior, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so true. And thank you for sharing those resources. I think they'll be super, super valuable. And yeah, what you're saying about listening is so important. I think quite often when we think about communication and the importance for finding solutions, we forget that communication isn't just talking. It's so much about listening and mm. Another thing as well, I think, is learning to kind of take a step away from the ego as well and listen and just yeah. let that sink in before letting any kind of defensiveness coming in from anything else, I think, is super important. You know, the last thing I want to mention is that because we see, we see a lot about people talking how to speak, you know, like the speech and stuff, but we forgot how to listen and as well on how to listen properly. So another, uh, the last resource I want to share with you is called Nonviolent Communication, which has helped my organization and my personal life. I, w I won't say Google it because I use Ecosia. Yes. <laughs> so you can Ecosia it. And it's very interesting. It gives you kind of points on how to talk. You know, instead, for example, asking who left this in my room, you can ask, um you know why this was left here maybe and then you see the connotation because if you just live with another person you know you're referring to the other person and things like that or sometimes whenever someone is asking you something maybe they don't want an answer maybe just you want you to listen to them so check non-violent communication there are books about it there, there are techniques there are courses about it and has changed kind of my organization but also my personal <laughs> life i really recommend that yeah i'll definitely take a look at that thank you we have to value the perspectives so um i'm saying there is nothing wrong as well you know because people it was a period of my life about the vegetarianism and i really realized how to talk <laughs> instead of fighting with people because i was in my own world i was like where is your meat? And I was like, Whoop. <laughs> no, that's not your reason. But yeah, I'm gonna equosiate about that. It's very interesting. I think. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I love that you say that. I've been changing my language as well recently to try and say Ecosia something rather than Google it because you realize how it's just so in our language now. Incorporated. Yeah. And that is decolonizing. When I that is decolonization. It's not attacking 
people from different colors. No, decolonization is doing the transition of, for example, Google and these transnational companies are colonizer. I imperialist, you know, of, of minds. We have this monoculture on ideas, on food, on many things. So it's like kind of decolonizing your, your, your language, decolonizing your clothing, your music, many things, you know, and even decolonizing the way we treat our body, which, which uh, it was what we were talking about, and decolonizing our social and human relationships, not treating each other as machines of productivity, but yes, as humans as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. And that makes me think about something as well. You mentioned close to the beginning about the importance of learning about history and the, the way that history then informs understanding of people in a more in-depth way and I think it's so important so that everyone connects on a more human level with an understanding yeah. of yeah yeah this this because as I said there was a point that I was especially in the border I was not from one country or the other um, I, I, I learned Portuguese I spoke Spanish however I also I, I was learning Guarani which is the indigenous language as well to understand people as well, to don't impose. Sometimes if you get to a territory, try to listen, try to understand. And, and as you see, there are things that sometimes you don't need communication in the way to understand uh, ourselves as well as, as, as humans and, 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 and being patient as well. I, I see sometimes, especially in the environment area, obviously we see people doing this transition from very capitalist jobs to more you know, society center and so, but it's, it's hard at the beginning, the way sometimes even the expectations or the amount of the processes, vertical processes. So another advice I will give you is, is there is a book that is called The Spider and the Starfish, and it talks about vertical and horizontal or decentralized organizations, which is a I think very interesting way and it's based as well and it was comparing the book about how the colonizers, the Spaniards uh, were organized very vertical and some indigenous groups, right, uh, were decentralized and how they, they survived until today, 500 years after there is still uh, a resistance. So, you know, there is not something has to be in the museums. Maybe that's knowledge that we can apply today into our organizations. That, uh, that book is very interesting because it will help you organize your perspectives and organization as well <laughs> amazing thank you and yeah i think that's so important as well as people realizing that within whatever industry they're working in at the moment there are steps that they can take to help make positive changes regarding climate regarding recognizing the intersectionality of so many different issues within the world and you don't have to sort of really focus towards just one thing and forget about the whole picture I think is so valuable so thank you for that welcome so I have one final quick little question yeah, for you which I always ahead. ask at the end of every podcast yes. episode uh, which is how you find mm -hmm. your little bit of lagum and lagum is a concept about finding balance a little bit and not too much it's a lovely Swedish concept that's nice well because I work at home I study at home all the day online so I have two ways one is uh, there is a technique I apply which is called like energy work um, so it's moving your energies because we do have energies we are consensual beings from the top to the bottom of your body and you increase the speed 
and it's kind of activating. I do it every morning or every time I have in the night. So it's, it makes you aware, okay, it's kind of connecting yourself, your phone, you know, to the electricity. And it's like, okay, it's a new day. Kind of making yourself alive, you know, aware about what's the day today. Obviously, second one is stopping, you know, uh, this electronic. So when my partner gets home, we like to put some music, to make food together, and to dance. You know, like um, he doesn't know. <laughs> I should not say this, but basically, it's a way of how as well with music. You can travel. You can feel the energy. Also, like another one, I know it's quite a lot, but it's like select one kind of energy. Like, for example, if you like animals, if you have opportunity to have, you know, dogs or pets, that's interesting. If you don't like uh, plants, plants as well provide you energy. So where I'm working, just going to show you, but obviously people would not be able to see, but I have quite a lot of plants that I cook. Wow. Coriander and so, and mint. So, because... They are beings, they as well have energies. If you have a, a lake or a forest, or a, why not hugging a tree? You know, that sounds really heavy, but come on. You know, like trees, they do have a lot of energy. They are an amazing machine of photosynthesis and of oxygen production. So connecting, you know, if putting my feet, bare feet, barefoot in the, in the grass, that's all to connect. Uh, and you can connect, even if you don't have access to any nature, you can connect. You know, with your heart, if you have anxiety or something, just listen, you know, your heart beating. And that will allow, remind you, okay, I'm human, I'm here, I'm alive. And connect it with your inner water. We are around 65% water as adults. So we are water as well. So as I said, moving it and connecting it, it allows even if you don't have a river or anything. So there is nature. You are nature. So connect with your own nature. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. I think you're absolutely fascinating and I could drill you with questions for hours, honestly. Like, so of course, I talk a lot to people. You know, like, it's not something that I got by myself. It's been talking to people, like, all of these experiences. So, gracias, obrigado, or aguille, aguillevete. Thank you very much in Guarani. And yeah, so guys, you know, you can contact me as well, my profile, if you want to talk or some ideas. And sometimes I, I don't post a lot in my socials. However, I share a lot of stories and about materials and so. It was an honor as well to be here. Thank you, Marla, for your work. And yeah, let's, let's keep doing this uh, opportunity, you know, bringing this opportunity to people to listen to other perspectives and to get to know more about uh what's behind as well in yes. sustainability <laughs> definitely thank, thank you thank for you your so time much. for yeah, the interview you. and for your work because it's volunteer work and you are doing a lot of benefit to people as well not just me and you but people who will listen and i do appreciate the time because it's editing thinking on the questions making it and it's volunteer so thank you so much all righty so Nice to meet you. You too. Hello long to you. Bye. Thank you so much again to Joyce. I'm so grateful for your time and all of the wonderful wisdom you shared. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and that it's given you lots of things to think about and reflect upon. I know it did for me. You can find Joyce on Instagram at Multicultural Sustainable. 
and there you can find links to all of the other amazing work that she's doing. I definitely recommend you check it out because she's such an inspiring person doing incredible work. If you have any thoughts on this episode or any of the other episodes of the podcast, or you'd like to offer some feedback, you can find me on Instagram at a little bit of Largum, or you can drop me an email to a little bit of Largum at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.